Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. It's a new year and a new theme. Wait, hold on. It's not a new year because it's like February when we do this. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb. It's not a new year. No. New theme, newish year. Newish year. <laughs> Welcome to Let Me Introduce You. This week we are starting our theme on love stories. Oh, yeah. I am one of your hosts, one of your lovely, loving, full of love hosts, Graham. And I'm here with two lovely, love, love ladies. <laughs> I've had a lot of caffeine. Hi, I am Katie. Hi. Yep. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm your host with a cold black heart. Yes. We're three best friends from college. we each other 20 years. Tons in common with, except our taste in film. And each week we are introducing either at least one of us to a film within a theme. And we are so excited to... Well, I'm excited to begin our new theme of love stories. I'm excited. However, love, however that kind of love is, really. It could be any kind of love story. Sure. I mean, the English language only has that one word for love, but there are really so many types. There is. Can I tell you a story about love? A different kind of love? Yes. Oh. Have I told you this story about Phoebe? <gasps> oh. Okay. Okay, so over the break, actually 2021 began with... I'll call it a bang. Phoebe, my dear best friend, my dog, who's changed my life, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Brandon, you as well. But, <laughs> but mostly Phoebe. There. So Phoebe one day started limping on one of her little, pose, little paws, little toesy toes. And I said, oh my God, what's wrong? This is bad. But we called the vet and they said, don't worry about it. Like, you know, check in the morning and see what's going on. The next morning, it her paw has ballooned like four times its size, Aww. which... For, like, a big dog, you know, her, her, it was big as my face, it almost felt like. So I took her to the vet, and poor little thing was, was they have some kind of an infection, and they gave her a lot of meds, and when I went to come pick her up, they said, okay, so she's, like, really out of it. I just want to let you know, so when you get her in the car, just, like, know that she's not going to be herself for the day. And I go, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't have a car, so what do I have to do? I have to order a lift. And the vet is, because the vet's like a mile and a half away from my house. I'm not going to carry my dog a mile and a half. She's 60 pounds. Yeah. I mean, I'm like ripped, but. <laughs> and you don't own a Red Rider wagon. So. I don't own a Red Rider. I should. I, now I will invest in mm-hmm. one. So I get in the lift, and we'll call her Amanda. She's my driver. And she's like, what's wrong with your dog? Because Phoebe is just like, you know, like completely drugged out. And it's like, well, my dog, like, she's not feeling well. But, you know, don't worry. She's, like, conked out. No, she's not going to cause any problems. And we live a mile away. Like, don't worry. She goes, don't worry about it. I love dogs. So, great. Awesome. So, Phoebe's in my lap. Like, her head's on one side. Her other, her backside is near my other, like, near my knee. And we suddenly, like, she farts. And I go, oh, oh, Phoebe, that's so inappropriate. Don't do that in a lift. That is so gross. And then, and then the one thing I did not want to happen in the lift happened. Oh, no. She starts pooping. Oh, no. So I did what I thought I was supposed to do. 
which was I just put my hand next to her butt oh, and let her. No. <laughs> oh god! She shat so much <laughs> oh my god. in my god. hand that I had to bring my second hand over to continue collecting the poop. You know when like those. You know those ice cream machines where you pull the handle? And like, oh, God. Yeah. It's like if it broke. Like, oh and so I'm just like, can I get a... And in my head, like, my head is racing, and I'm thinking, can I get away with this? Like, can we just make it home, and she's not going to know that a dog is pooping in her car? Probably it, not. So I'm like, ma'am, I think you need to pull over. And she immediately, like, pulls over, and she runs to the side of the door, opens the door, and I, I go, out of the way! And I, like, get out of the car and, like, fling the poop onto the streets of San Francisco, which, let's be real. There's There's enough poop. There's There's enough going on. Yeah. And Phoebe is just, like, now on the road, like, back, like, oh. Oh, no. And I am, like, my hands are covered in Phoebe, basically. And I turn to the driver and go, I'm so sorry and she goes do not worry about it that dog is not feeling well i have a tarp and she like ran to the back oh my god put the tarp in the back seat of her car and i said i, I don't know what to do she goes i'm driving you home like i gotta get you guys home she's gotta get to bed oh and so but i my hands are still covered in shit yeah it's like my hands are covered in poop so i had to take my shirt off oh no but thank God I had, I had, like, a really ugly undershirt on underneath. But I had my new sweatshirt on that Barry's Boot Camp gave me for my birthday. And I had to wrap my hands in this brand new sweatshirt. No. Covered in poop. And she is, the, the driver's, like, so so fine with it. Meanwhile, Phoebe's still, like, tongue all the way out, like, of her mouth. Like, be like, oh, what's going on? I just want to get home. Oh, poor baby. So I wrap my hands into this, like into this sweatshirt we get in the car and she goes don't worry i'm getting you guys home and she starts driving the car and when it hits a red light she turns to me and goes you know what that is that's love Aww. <laughs> oh that's so gross and that's horrible. love that is the that sweetest is. grossest story i've ever Isn't heard this, so i told that story to my sister and she was like cackling she's like oh my god that's the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life i told my dad this story he got emotional and started crying oh <laughs> You yeah, wait. You true. forgot the you forgot the little like end of it, where you <laughs> tipped the shit out of that woman. Oh my because... god! I gave her, oh, two, yeah. I gave her a two hundred percent tip, which is the maximum you can give for a Lyft drive. So oh, god. <laughs> yeah, thank God you got you had a good Lyft driver. Can you because, imagine? No, oh, I've no. had I've had Lyft drivers that like. I'll take Z in in an Uber or whatever, and I just put her on my lap, and they get uncomfortable. And I'm like, listen, yeah. and, and you know, I'm like, she's not going to do anything. She's just going to start yeah. snoring and falling asleep. She's not touching any of the of I the said. seats or anything. That's yeah, that's thank God I you said. had a good one. Yeah, and then yeah, poop everywhere. But my dad's reaction was so funny. He goes, "That is one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard." <laughs> <laughs> He's a tough guy, and he like with with, with dogs, he completely crumbles and is like. Uh, like a big old bubble of like love thinking oh i love that that's a great story right that's love but this week we're starting our love stories you know i don't really love stories really aren't my thing shockingly i like a good rom-com which is the one today is is a bit of a rom-com 
yeah, love dramatic love stories aren't my thing. I like kind of like off kilter love stories. So when I was thinking about love stories, I thought, well, what's one that really affected me when I was younger? And the one that really did that jumped out at me was the one we're talking today, which is a film called Trick. Uh, Trick came out in 1999, so I was 15 when this came out. Uh, it came out in July. It was an independent film, big at Sundance that year. You know, it being an independent film, it made two million dollars. That's like a lot for yeah. a small film like this. I think mm-hmm. the budget was like half a million dollars. Came out the same weekend as another classic gay film, which is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, so good. Yes, another. Fl- uh, that was a flop, but a success in our hearts. Oh my god, that's like a complete cult classic. I think both of you have not seen Trick. This is your first time. Correct. This is my first time. Great, great. So I'm very interested to hear what your thoughts are on it. And I'll get to why I picked it. But first, Katie, would you, it's your turn to give. Sure is. To synopsisize. Synopsisize. Yeah, synopsisize us on our podcast. Let me introduce you. Yes. Okay, so Trick is the adorable and awkward story of Gabe, a gay 20-something New Yorker who writes Broadway show tunes. He, I'm going to use the word awkward a lot because he, that, that kind of encompasses a good chunk of this movie. So he is awkward, he has, diff- he has difficulty fitting in, and he has difficulty pushing himself to do things that bring him out of his shell. So the movie starts with him sexiled outside of his apartment while his straight roommate sleeps with yet another lady. He works at an agency and is trying to get his Broadway songs and productions off the ground. He's working with his best friend, Catherine, played by Tori Spelling, in one of her greatest acting roles ever because she <laughs> is still saying free a to lot. be... She's free to be as annoying as she possibly can because it fits the role perfectly. Yes. His Broadway song, Enter You, is catchy, but it doesn't have any heart. Gabe must have the courage to, quote-unquote, grab life by the balls and open himself up to love. So one night, Gabe decides to go out to a gay bar, and he's getting hit on left and right, but either he doesn't know how to handle the situation or gets creeped out by over-the-top come-ons, And so while he's at the bar, he becomes completely enamored with the go-go boy dancing on the bar. And yet after another man hits on him, he decides to call it a night and take the train home, only to see said go-go boy sitting across from him in the train car. The go-go boy, Mark, asks him to go back to Gabe's house for a hookup that goes spectacularly wrong. Whether foiled by Catherine's constant cock-blocking his roommate's selfish dickheadedness or Gabe's inability to calm down. He wants Mark, but in his own words, he doesn't quite know how to fit in as a gay man. So the night quickly unravels as Gabe and Mark try to find a place to hook up. They find themselves at yet another gay bar where on a trip to the bathroom, Gabe is confronted by a delightfully perfect drag queen who warns Gabe that Mark is just a trick. He's the devil and to stay away from him. When Gabe leaves the bathroom, he sees Mark making out with an old, very drunk friend in a complete misunderstanding. He's decided he has enough, and he bolts, chalking it up to just a bad hookup. It's not even a date. Mark himself is also opening up to the idea that Gabe could be more than just a trick and follows him home. And then there they realize they might have something more than just sex. But in spectacular fashion, you know, have these... these 
come to personal moments. They go to grab a bite and once again are cock-blocked by Catherine and her extremely annoying friends. Her extremely annoying theater friends. Here yes, theater friends. Oh, theater God. friends. Theater, yeah. theater friends. Like, like, we've all done theater, but this is like the epitome. I actually haven't. Oh, well, I Graham and I have. To. Uh, I've done theater. Graham and I have, have been in, in the, the theater. 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 <laughs> so Gabe finally finds the courage to stand up for himself and tells Catherine to leave. She blows up, revealing several deep-seated issues of her own, and they, they patch things up. It's all okay. So Gabe and Mark find themselves alone for the first time with a place to hook up and realize that even though everything went wrong, things actually went right. So they kiss in a romantic gesture that wasn't even broached before in a very intimate and personal way. And they part ways as Mark gives Gabe his real phone number. Enter mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And he finds the lyrics to, to complete enter you at the very end. Yes. yes. Great, Katie. Thank mm. you so much. As always impressed with your synopsis. Katie, can you write my synopsis? No, I shan't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just finished this movie like maybe 10 minutes ago. So, so did I. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. So this, this movie is very, very, very close to my heart. As I mentioned, I saw it when I was 15, 16 and in the late nineties, there were a lot of independent film about gay people beyond like the, the mainstream of, of, you know, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmore, you had In and Out, which is the one the ones that people do know of. But there's also Beautiful Thing, Get Real, Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss, Bar Girls, The Positively True Adventures of Two Girls in Love, and Edge of Seventeen. And a lot of those movies were about teenagers and coming out. And what I loved about Trick was it wasn't about coming out. It was just about two guys who wanted to, like, connect and find a way basically two guys wanted to find a place to have sex and that was it yep. that was the story yep. they were already out and, and it was kind of just a simple story about just two people getting to know each other over over one night i was a, as a young child young teenager i loved before sunrise which was the the two-hander with julia delpy and, and ethan hawk so this kind of reminded me of that but not as serious and also i i was very much like aspiring to have those experiences at that time. I so desperately wanted like to go on a date with a boy or to like kiss a boy or hold hands. And I thought that this movie really did a nice job of showing how even like small gestures can just like you know, make you so so Twitter pated. <laughs> yeah, that that moment in the diner at the end where they hold hands I thought was Yeah, really it's cute. very very lovely and Christian Campbell, who plays Gabriel, was is so cute in this. Nev Campbell's brother, such a baby. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't realize that. He was adorable. and his double dimples, dimple in each mm-hmm. cheek. Yeah, but it, when I revisited this movie, like when I was first coming out, I was like, yeah, I, I am Gabriel. I don't know where I fit in, right? Yeah. Like, and I think when you first come out, and these these characters are probably 23, 24 years old, like, and they're coming into their own, like. Where do I fit in? Am I part of like the bar scene? Am I a theater queen? Am I like you know a, a, a gym gay? I don't know. Like so, I I kind of connected with where he was, and now watching it now makes me so reminiscent of Katie. Our times in New York City, and just I like know. like the men that I would go home with, and like the guys that I connected with, and like met at bars, and just had these nights with them, and I never saw them again. You know, it was just it's, these kind. Of, it's, it's so like, funny that that's how I felt watching it. Like, of, you know, of course, I'm not a gay man, but mm. 
it made me nostalgic for those times that you and I would go out to to bars like this. And I really, I'm like, man, I really wish we could just like go out to a bar and like go, like I I would have so much fun going to these gay bars with you and like dancing. And it reminded yeah. me of when we went to the Atrium with the Go-Go Boy that was there here in Los Angeles. It was Atrium, right? The Abbey. The Abbey. The Abbey, yeah. Yeah, when yeah, we I'm went kidding. to the that Abbey. That was so fun. Yeah, we went like... Two years ago, something like that, and we went. Ashley, we went at like we went seven, at like seven seven p.m. Ooh, that's and, early, and we, it we, was. I was like, "Girl, we need to sit down before we." <laughs> and then we were the only ones on the dance floor for two full hours. Yeah, it was so great. But like, we had like a like there was like a go-go boy that was dancing right next to us. Yes, and you were like tipping him. And that I, I got like, to go tip. Girl. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it, it made me. It made me miss you a lot because I yeah. was like, I really miss doing this with you and like it, it just i'm like i miss graham oh so, yes um, those were such fun nights yeah. and kind of like the only things that could you imagine this movie takes place over an entire night into morning and i'm like i'm in bed by 9 30 these days <laughs> and i'm i but like those nights of just being out all night chatting partying and and having that kind of energy without the without the help of like a substance you know just because you have that youthful energy yeah i was really impressed by that i was like how are you up until sunrise without any help that's when like the magic happened that's That's, when you knew you had like a special night is like when you were up with like you met someone and then you're up with them until like six in the morning because you knew that like this is this is something special it it was it was funny for me to connect on that level because i'm like again not a gay man, mm-hmm. but I understand the 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 romance and the, yeah. the magicness of that type of evening. Yeah, but so so like kind of watching it before I came out, right when I came out, and then watching it, I see I watched it at the very beginning of the pandemic this year with Brandon, and we were just like, oh, what a like, oh, this movie like meant so much, and like watching it now, having been out for like fifteen years, and just being like, oh, how quaint, how quaint that time was, <laughs> you know, like. And now how utterly normal everything feels. I know. But what did y'all think of it? Well, I loved it. I thought it was really cute. You know, there's there's not like a whole lot of substance to it. No. But honestly, when I look at the type of romantic comedy movies that I do enjoy, they are totally not substantive at all. No. I thought it was, you know, it felt very 1999. It felt very New York to me. I I liked how awkward things were because like when they first meet when mark and gabriel first meet it's like very clear like we are going to your place to have sex and that will be it i don't think mark says more than like five words to to gabriel mark and yeah and they're both just so just awkward and it almost i almost wonder if they're like trying to fill a trope because if like Mark is trying to find his identity as well, and he's like, well, I'm a sexy gay man and this is what sexy gay men do. And we have one night stands, Mm -hmm. but no, I thought, I thought it was really, it was really cute. It was, it was definitely like better than I was expecting. And I could see as I'm watching it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I could see why this movie means so much to, Mm -hmm. to Graham. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was adorable. Great. Great. Ashley. What I liked about it as opposed to a lot of the like commercial mainstream romantic movies is that it was both like the ordinariness of it, right? Like we're just going through a single night and yet the things that are true across all things, right? Like the awkwardness and that like 
tentative and like when when Gabriel like Mark was asking him like what do you want or he was playing the piano and he's like I've always wanted someone to go down on me while I played the piano and he's like oh I've never told anyone that you know and I think back to situations where it's like yeah sometimes you complete stranger and you just like reveal this thing that both makes you feel vulnerable and yet at the same time you're like but I may never see them again so I can say this and I can I can just do this I Sorry, Bob. I distinctly <laughs> remember the first guy ever, the first guy I ever hooked up with off of Tinder. We like met up for a drink or whatever, some of my friends, and then like went back to his place. And he was just like, What do you want? And I was like, What? Like, <laughs> nobody really asked me this. And like, you're a stranger, <laughs> you know? And I was like, Oh, he's like, No. I want to know what you want. Like, tell me exactly that. And so part of it was just like kind of freeing because it's like well I don't have to see you again if I don't want to and you're asking me so you might as well like take advantage of it also this guy put on like the Disney Pandora station and actually it was amazing no wait you were like doing it no no no, not during it it was like I can't remember at some point but he just like turned it on I was like oh my god I love Disney songs blah 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 so I know that's a little weird, but no, it's great. No, it's just yeah. It I means en- no worries. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good. It's tempo. just one of those like it weird is. little things that you remember, you know, just like yep. you're like, oh, this this marks you as different, right? Yeah. But I did have one issue with it. Oh yeah, I mean there are issues with the movie. Yeah. No, no, no. My like, I mean, my biggest issue was they leave the dog out on the fifth floor uh, yeah. fire escape. And the grates were so big, and she was so small. I know. There wasn't even, like, a board up to prevent her. She's very well trained. I I mean, I liked a lot of the ordinance of it. I haven't watched, like, truly independent film in a long time, unfortunately. And I had to remind myself of, like, okay, this is late 90s. Like, this was shot on film, but we don't know, like how good of a transfer it was to digital. Cause I rented this on Amazon Same. and I had to remind myself of those things of like, yeah, when you're, when you're making an independent film and I'm, I'm used to seeing so many commercial things and so many things with such big budgets, like, you know, the sound isn't as great or like the sound design or whatever, but there's also kind of like a nice rawness to it. But Oh my God. Fucking Tori Spelling. Like, I even recognize that this was probably one of her better acting jobs, and she still just sucks. Well, I, I'm sorry. I just can't. I just look at her, and I'm like, Tori Spelling. I can't divorce her from who she is. I'm going to defend Tori Spelling because she did exactly what the role required yes. of her. True. And, uh, I mean, this role for her is, is iconic because... <laughs> It is so over the top and she's so obnoxious, but we all know people who are exactly like her. Yeah. yeah. No, in my head, I'm just like, I don't think you could have cast that role better than with no. Tori Spelling because that's kind of who she is. She I think did. I was I upset because she, she was a redhead and I was like, do better. Also, Miss Coco <laughs> Peru was a redhead. She was great. I loved, so, I loved her. So that scene, so Miss Coco Peru is just one of the, the most outstanding you know, drag queen entertainers that we have and her monologue, which I think is one take. 
in that bathroom. It was perfect. Damn. Where she's like, oh, you know, that is one of the most famous scenes in gay cinema. Really? I say, if you go up to any gay man and say, you ever get cum in your eye? They'll say, it burns. It burns. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's so good. It does so burn. It, actually, it really she, does burn. And you know what? She's not aged a day. I recently, not recently, like before all of this, she, she does a lot of work here in San Francisco with a, with a performer named Peaches Christ, and they put on a show called Steel Dragnolius. <laughs> That's amazing. Of course. Coco Peru was in it. I think she played the Weeza character. I can't remember, but she was in it. I was like, we have to go see it because Miss Coco Peru's in it. She was amazing. She, yes. I Like, like as, as she was dancing, like her, so she's introduced in the gay bar that uh, Gabriel and Mark go to, and she's like singing along with I don't remember what disco I am song. Woman, hear me yeah, more. that one. And she like takes takes a like shine to to Gabe or like pauses on him for a second. And I'm just like, I love her. Yeah. She's so she's... wonderful. And then she gets her moment in the bathroom with yep. her, her monologue and I was just like, she's wonderful. If you want to have a good time, you go on YouTube and search for Miss Coco Peru searching for Tension Tamer T at Big Lots, I think. And it is twenty minutes of joy. <laughs> <laughs> She's fantastic. Yes, yes. I think I had a harder time connecting with, but but also that makes sense. Much like Katie, I am not a gay man. Mm. But I think you guys also had a a connection to New York that I never do. And like that is one of my biggest regrets is that I never actually like, you know, at the end of college, all three of us had this plan, like we're all going to move to New York City. And then you guys did. And I foolishly decided to move to L.A. because like that's where the industry was. And I, I just, when I reflect back on my life, I'm like, oh, I had multiple opportunities to like live in New York. And so then I always get a little like, oh, I don't experience it the same way as you guys. And then I'm, <laughs> you know, just that little like, what is that? Missing something you never experienced, right? Yeah. yeah. But I want to yeah. hear more about what y'all thought and like your, your experiences of New York and everything else. Well, I think, I think that just like the hopping around that they do throughout the, the evening reminded me of just like I would somehow end up at like this underground bar that had like you had to get a password to get into or like a random show tunes night and I'm just like where how did I end up here but okay I'll take it you know (laughs) yeah yeah there were lots of those evenings where you just like you're like you're with uh, like a group of friends and like one of you is with someone that you just met that night and you wind up going to like 12 different bars yeah, that scene where they like wind up going to the piano bar and you get that wonderful song. Yeah. What was the name of the song again? I don't remember it. Uh, it was like yeah. Spanish for like, I like your penis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it was like Mingu Sapinga. That was it. Yeah. Oh, but and Perry like, is yeah. singing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But then I was like, yeah, I'm like, I had like, th- you have those nights because like there, I, I, there were piano bars that you would only ultimately go to and like jazz bars and that would be tipped off with like, going to specific pizza place at 12 30 mm-hmm. in the morning and then you know getting another yeah. like so these were very like typical new yorker evenings if you're in your early 20s yeah yeah and also as, like, as a gay man just like i've had a lot of tricks in my life and i was just like sitting there thinking oh like oh yeah that that trick who like, <laughs> would, would like refuse to let his dog leave the room and i like having sex with him and like i make eye contact with like the dachshund and i'm just like can you i don't know can you, i couldn't do i was like stuff. i feel so i don't know please like get out of the room 
And then the one guy who I was like, I got to his house. I was like, oh, you have a Murphy bed. And I was like, yeah, I'll just like to take that off my list that I slept with a guy with a Murphy <laughs> bed. <laughs> like, you know, Murphy oh, beds intrigued me. It was great. Oh, I was like, oh, well. I'm, oh, and the, oh, my favorite is the guy that was like, yeah, he was an older gay man. And he's like, yeah, I used to intern for the show Cheers. And I go, I'm definitely having sex with you tonight. And that was like, this, that was like. <laughs> That was like the line that I said after he told me that. Like I was like, "Oh, we're having sex." That's my favorite. Show. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm like, so when I think about this, I'm like trying to think back on my own times. I what is like the what is the straight version of the word trick? You know, just like is there one or do we think it's, like it's a not? hookup or yeah hookup? Yeah, I've. I've had more than my fair share of those, I will admit. <laughs> but most of them just involved a lot of alcohol and a lot of debauchery. As evidenced by any time I came to visit y'all in New York, there was always there was always some sort of shenanigans <laughs> Where's Ashley? going on. And or yes, on like our of, trips of together. <laughs> broken teeth or broken it was, it was tooth. It was tooth. And it was I it was a fake two. tooth. One broken tooth. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm glad that I keep thinking, not not to shit on anybody that I like grew up with, but people who like got married immediately and just like never explored those, like being, t- being, being in your 20s or even in your 30s and just like going, going wild and having fun. You know, I, I wouldn't trade any of those nights for like, maybe one or two of them I would trade them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was there. You would definitely trade one or two. <laughs> there's, there's definitely ones I would, I would trade. But there's also like, so when we see in this, you know, Gabriel is still, he is very awkward, right? Like he is uncomfortable. He's not like, he clearly loves musicals and like writing that but he's kind of like am I supposed to but yeah, he's, he's like yeah he's embarrassed by it and so he's not yet comfortable enough with who he is and it seems like he's not yet comfortable enough with his like sexual power if you will you know like there are a lot of men who are hitting on him throughout this and I remember when I finally got comfortable with my own level of that and was like ooh. I, oh, all right. Like, this is fun. And you can kind of take control of it. And it makes you feel yeah. very powerful. The the scene that I love, you've mentioned it, is like they're at the gay bar and like everyone has their shirts off and Gabriel doesn't. Yeah. And Mark's like, take it off. And Gabriel's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then like and he, he zips like, looks it up around. He like looks around and the, the song keeps going and suddenly like you see him go, oh, just fuck it. And he takes it off and you can tell in that moment he feels very free and he's also like so fucking sexy. Like he doesn't have a body that like should he should be ashamed of, you know? And that like reminded me of like when I was like the first time I took my shirt off at a bar. Like I know you guys probably don't do that, but like. No. But I was just like, I don't know. And I was like, I just did it. And now, like, you can't get me to a gay bar without me taking my shirt off. Because, <laughs> like, I, I think when I first moved here, that was, like, something that a group of people I would spend time with. They're like, oh, Graham's here. He's going to take have us take our shirts off in 10 minutes. I go, love your body. <laughs> my buddy Ben and I went to Austin, Texas once. And we went to, like, a gay bar there. And we had a great time. And we're, like, took our shirts off. We're, like like throwing them around and we go up to this group we go you're all gorgeous take your shirts off and they said no we don't do that in texas i go you're doing it tonight because san francisco's in the house <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't 
was so great. They're like, oh, I feel so free. <laughs> so the actors, the actors you play, Gabriel and Mark, I can't remember their names, but are, are they gay in real life? So Christian Campbell is Gabriel. He's straight. And J.P. Patak plays Mark. I'm not sure what his, his preference is. But again, like, and Christian Campbell said, like, his, he said how appreciative he is of the gay community for, like, welcoming him in because of this role. He's, like, known so much for it. Yeah. But I don't know if JP is, but he's so sexy in this movie to me. He is fit. When he is introduced stripping with a thong on on that <laughs> bar to a disco version of Dreamweaver, I remember watching that and being like, that is beautiful. Like, <laughs> that man <laughs> is stunning. And the scene when they are on the subway and he's like pretending to fall asleep and Gabriel stares at him and suddenly he's like staring and Mark just opens his eyes. I go, that is the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I was like, <laughs> I want that to happen to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All the all the encounters I had on the subway were all gross like that. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have any, any. I had someone follow me home once. Oh, I, God. Yeah, I, yeah that's, the, that's the New York you don't want to remember. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Straight men are the worst sometimes. Yeah. Nope. When I was watching it, though, because so my boyfriend said he had seen it before. Yeah, I'm surprised. I I was surprised, too. Well, so he told me he'd seen it before we watched it. And I was like, that's fine. That tracks. You know, he he used to work in a movie theater at one point. You know, he's seen a lot of movies. So I'm halfway through it. And yeah, it was it was the same scene where they're in the in that gay bar, and I am woman is playing. And I'm just and And, you know, the the drag queen walks through and in my head, I'm like, this is such a gay movie. This is like the gayest <laughs> movie so I could gay. ever think of. Oh, Katie, I can, so, show you, I can show you some more that are very, very gay. <laughs> well, I came downstairs and I was like, you've, you've seen this movie? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I don't know. It looked good. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. It, it, when it came out, it had, it had like, like buzz because yeah. it was a big hit at Sundance and it made a lot of money when it first the first weekend it came out it had a huge per screen average because i bet because it was playing just in new york and la and those audiences were like gunning for it but yeah i'm surprised i was like i told brandon i was like yeah katie's man saw it she goes he has i know i was surprised too so wait i have a question so graham you know this this is by no means the first gay romantic comedy but it doesn't seem like i know at the time it must have been like a little more controversial because, you know, they just, you know, movies with homosexual leads weren't as widely accepted, but it doesn't seem like we've, like, as a society, progressed with enough, like, there doesn't seem like there's that many more these days. That's a great point, Katie. I've actually been talking a lot, not a lot recently, but I've talked about this with friends of saying how in the 90s, there were a lot more mainstream, independent film with gay, mostly white, male yeah. leads. I and mean, we've mentioned a few of them now. And there was also, like, like the comedies. There's, there's, like a, there's also ones that dealt with AIDS and HIV. So you're thinking about, like, the mainstream ones are, like, Philadelphia, yeah. Longtime Companion. But it's interesting how now, where I would say there's there's more of an acceptance I would, yes. than, than it was 20 years ago, you'd think that a movie like Love, Simon being released wouldn't be such a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. But it was, and I, I I am in the minority. I think that's a shitty movie. And I've gotten in fights with <laughs> fellow gay people 
who tell me I'm wrong, and I think they're wrong, but there should absolutely be more stories. But I do think that I've been watching some like Netflix films with like multiple characters that they they are putting in more diverse characters in terms of like sexuality and gender identity. But yeah, it's it's surprising how there was this like. A like lot a boom of them, of them in the yeah. nineties, and then nothing for a while. And there's a lot of there's a lot of like small independent ones that are out there, but it's hard to find them. They're there, but like which ones are good? Because I've seen a lot yeah. of shitty ones <laughs> that yeah. were made for like and a dollar. That's the thing is like when I think about like when I think about romantic comedies that come out like now, and it's hard for me because they're not really my cup of tea, so I don't seek yeah. them out. But when you think about the romantic movie comedy movies that are coming out now, it's still a lot of heterosexual couples. So in my head, I'm just like, I could see where when they made this movie in 1999, they were like, yeah, you know, we're, we're hopefully starting a trend that will balloon. And it's, it's kind of like depressing that I don't see many more of them. Like, yeah, I know like, that they're still there, but... Yeah, so as straight people beyond Love, Simon, can you name in the past 20 years another gay movie kissing jessica stein oh yeah that's like there was ammonite ammonite yeah Yeah. portrait of a lady portrait of a lady on fire would you classify moonlight i mean moonlight right moonlight moonlight haven't seen it brokeback mountain yeah what no no the one with the queen the one the one with the queen with emma stone in it and olivia coleman the favorite yeah. The favorite. So, so we're we're talking like a lot of movies that have like heavy themes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of like, it's either you're coming out or you're you're hiding your sexuality or there's something there's a pain. Yeah. That these people are going through, and there's so few stories about just gay joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so it. that's why, like a scene like the, all the men dancing at the club and just like loving that music miss coco peru comes in and does her lip sync like that joy is is what as a gay person like why can't i see more of that on screen why does why does every story have to be about some kid coming out why can't i see that kid 15 20 years later who's a comfortable person in their sexuality living a fucking great life in whatever whatever way that is not like a wealthy life or just like having great friends around you and showing that kind of community because you know we in the early 2000s you had queer as folk which was about like out gay men and it was very sexy and like a lot of like heavy themes there you had the l word too right around that the time. l word yes yes mm-hmm. absolutely but just like i want joy you know yeah, <laughs> yeah graham you and i were talking about that with what was that holiday movie that came out with Kristen stewart and oh right, right happiest right. season yeah. yeah, you and I were talking about that, and I ended up watching that. And it seems like, who directed that? It was Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. Yeah. And you would think, like, with the amount of people who were involved in that and the amount of money that went into it, you would hope that there would be more than just something that harvests gay people's pain, right? Or, come in. like, it, as a straight person it still felt a bit like a story that was made for straight people. Oh, absolutely. Right? And like, we have can to keep we not educating you guys? Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like we have to keep telling you like, Oh, it's really hard to come out, you know? Yeah. And like, that's also like such a common complaint. Like so many films are made for white people. Right. And so anytime it features like a black person, an indigenous person or a person of color, it's still explaining it for white people because mm-hmm. as much as filmmaking has changed and 
like, you know, when so many things went digital and like, if we just look at like TikTok, like there's so much just exploding still, there's so much gatekeeping and the people who are doing distribution or the people who greenlight certain things are saying like, no, but we still want these stories in this narrow box. Right. And it's just, it's fucking absurd. And it really does a disservice to everyone. Right. Like Graham, you don't get to see stories that are just joy and like reflections of your life. And for straight people like me and Katie, we don't get to see windows into what, what someone's actual life is like, you know what I mean? And we just see these single stories again and again and it's fucking bullshit, man. And also, like, I know you're like, ah, Love, Simon was shitty. You know what? Also, there get to be shitty gay stories, right? And thank you. There, <laughs> like, get, to be, there yes. get to be bad gay movies. And we, I was like, this is great. Now we finally have a really shitty, like, studio coming out story. There great. you go. Now we right? do. This is great. Can we get a good one now? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get one about, like, a kid who's just like, I'm out and I don't really give a shit. You know, like, oh, I'm pain. my life is so painful. You live in a mansion. With your privileged parents. Uh-huh. Give me a break. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Nancy say- Myers designed your your bedroom. You're fine. I got to tell you, you know? one of my, my favorite, like, when you talk about movies with, with, <laughs> with gay joy in them or or not having a coming out story. So, like, you know, origin story fatigue is a, is a thing for a yeah. lot of genres. I really love the birdcage. I love the birdcage. Oh my god, so, so good. I can't believe I much. haven't mentioned that. The birdcage <laughs> is so fucking good. The birdcage is one the of my... All time favorite favorite movies. I love it so. I, it, I if so it good. if it is on TV or I even see like a glimpse of it somewhere, yep. I want to watch it. And it it makes me and, laugh and it's yeah. hysterical and, and that. I, yeah, Katie, absolutely, one hundred percent. I remember that was the first R-rated movie I saw in theaters. My <gasps> sister took me to go see it. I was like, "Can we please go see the Birdcage?" She's like, "Why?" I go, "It just looks really funny." She goes, "Fine." And then like, I don't think she realized it was because her little brother wants to see stories about like gay men. Yeah. But on, but like, be a little Billy off the idea of like gay joy. I also just want to see stories to display like gay people like just living their lives where it's yep. not like coming out. And that's why I loved the show Looking on HBO, which was like when it came out and was like the news was coming out. It's like oh, it's gonna be like Sex in the City with gay men. It's gonna <laughs> be crazy. It, yeah. And it was just about friends in San Francisco and their regular lives. And there were there was such a group grouping of gay people who were like, "Oh, we hate this show. It's so boring." And go, guess what? Your life is boring too. <laughs> Your life is yeah. boring. Your life isn't that exciting. You go to work and you pine over a guy, or like you have this like hookup, or you, you your friends are your friends. Like your life isn't that like miraculous. You're just like everybody else in some regards. So that's like also. If things are, if you try something different, maybe you'll lose like your gay audience too. So I don't know. It, there's, there's, mm. it's just hard to pinpoint what is needed. But enough with the coming out stories. There's plenty, you know, about white, white kids coming out. We're, yeah. yeah. Enough white kids coming out. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between though, like when you create slice of life stories, mm-hmm. you're still creating entertainment, you're still telling a story. So you still have to have something in there it would just be nice if people didn't rely on those like old tropes of like Mm -hmm. well this is what we consider to be conflict so and it's it's a if it's a conflict that people of this group associate with so we'll put that in there Mm -hmm. you need more universal conflict that everybody despite what their identity is can identify with so i'm hoping 
I'm hoping as a creator of media, I can make some more of that stuff too. I'm hoping for one day we get just like a big budget action film with like a gay lead, you know, like something like something fun like that. Cause like there is a market for it. Like we would spend our money on going to see that. I remember going to see Brokeback Mountain in the Coolidge Corner Theater in Boston. And granted, Burbank Mountain's a sad movie. Like, it's a very sad movie. But it was a huge deal when it came out, right? Mm-hmm. And the audience was, like, all gay people in Boston. And it was, like, they were, like, the energy of that room. Like, finally! Like, a big budget, like, movie for us. And then we saw it. We're like, oh, it's really sad. <laughs> but... Well, you know, speaking but like there's Graham, an excitement about that, yeah. Speaking of action stuff with gay characters, there is a comic called Apollo and Midnighter. It's a six-issue limited. It's written by Steve Orlando, who is a bisexual man, oh. and it was it was a lot of fun. So that and, and Apollo and Midnighter are in a relationship. Apollo and Midnighter. Yes. And I can just like get that wherever. Yeah, um, you can get it on Comicsology usually. <gasps> I'm in. So this is the other thing, too. And this is, so a couple summers ago, I took a library class that was talking about, like, diversity and social justice and everything else. And I feel like we should be at a point where we're not always telling the same stories. And, like, there need to be gay stories and lesbian stories and trans stories and bisexual stories and stories for people who are ace. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many different sexual identities and experiences that people have is just so fucking annoying to see the same shit getting made over and over again. You know, even like even seeing how there's always like, oh, we're going to remake this and we're going to remake that. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? There are so many original stories. And this is where and this is where this is where my goddamn socialism comes out. But I'm a fucking socialist. It's like capitalism has infused the film industry so much that it's not adventurous anymore, right? Like you're either making these massive blockbusters because they have to sell or there are these super tiny indies and then you hope that you get a good distribution plan. And what else? it's like, there are so many fucking platforms in order to have these, which makes it a little bit hard, right? Cause you're like, Oh my God, there's so many platforms. What do I find? But there's also just so many opportunities to have so many different types of stories mm-hmm. being told. And that's where is like, that mid-budget comedy that would come out in the 90s, right? Yeah. Like where is that? Like it doesn't exist anymore. Million, it doesn't exist anymore. That's but why John like, Waters doesn't make movies anymore because exactly, he can't because make he can't. mid-budget movies. Yeah. So you guys are talking about like, you know, all the remakes and everything. Our very good friend Rex friend of the pod, wonderful man. He is a writer, highly acclaimed writer right now of graphic novels and novels, you know, for the the YA audience. He is writing a book right now called Dan of Green Gables. Stop. And I'm so excited about it. So I I get him on the show. Oh, we should definitely get Rex on the show. I really want Rex on the show. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's, he's working to try to, to try to do that. See, I read it. I know, I would, re- as soon as he told me, I was like, <gasps> I want this. Like, you want people, you want more eyeballs? Just, like, tell a gay person, we're watching it. I don't care if it's good or not, I'm watching it. Like, the Hallmark movie with, like, the gay stuff, watching it, doesn't matter. Yep. I'm yep. there. I watch that, too. <laughs> yeah, see, like, I would watch more things that are, that are retellings of stories that aren't the exact same retelling, right? Like, you know, Rex wrote a retelling of Little Women where Joe was a lesbian, right? I would... I would watch more of those remakes where maybe you're taking a story, but you're actually, you're, 
separating it out from like the white cisgendered hetero like patriarchiness of it. But I don't want to see the same fucking movies made over and over and over again. Like, There's don't remake Clue, man. Do, Clue was fucking great. Leave it alone. Make other stories. There's who wants that? I don't like, know. Who see, cares? No, that's the the trouble that like I I run into sometimes is you know people will be like. Well, the, you know, that's either a small part of society who wants that or, you know, they they're, the the dollars aren't translating into this new stuff. And in my head, I'm like, no, we need to be leaders in this industry to create the stuff so people will want more of it. And also, and you hoping... can't use the same promotion methods on a different yeah. store. It's like, oh, the, no, the dollars aren't there. Like, what fucking model did you apply? What are you looking yeah. at? Are you using the same fucking thing where you're just gearing it towards, like, white middle America and you're like, oh, they don't really care about it. And it's like, you've got all of these untapped markets, but you don't know how to actually reach you them. continue to save your asses. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, says the woman who's like outside of this, right? But I just imagine like lots of people have spending power. Like stop, stop trying to make stories for me. Yeah. Ashley, 36 year old, straight white girl in the Midwest. Like I don't need to see more That's of myself. Are, right? A lot of gay people have lots of money. Cause you know what? We don't got kids. God, exactly. I know. You guys, uh, every house, Graham, every like house party you bring Ashley or I to when we were in San Francisco, oh my God. I was just like, I don't Gorgeous. understand how they have these amazing houses they don't got no kids i know <laughs> so okay so i wanted to ask what do you think happened to gabriel and mark that's a great mm. question because there's a sequel in development <gasps> that's right really? there is it's been in development for a couple of years i don't know where it's at but they got all of the cast to come back on with a couple extra people. It was supposed to come out in 2019, but you know, independent cinema, like mm -hmm. who knows where it's at now. And now that we've had COVID, but we are supposed to be getting a sequel soon. Hmm. And I almost don't even want to like pontificate about like where they yeah. may be. Yeah. But cause obviously they're, I, they're not together in my mind, but yeah. almost like a, cause going back to before sunrise, and what they did before sunset nine years later, like they met up again and then like they hadn't seen each other in nine years. So I would kind of would be curious to see if they would go that route of like, oh, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Mm -hmm. That's what I would You're guess that guy. Too. You're that guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. just because they were both so, both the characters were so early in, you know, learning who they were and in their identification as, as a human process. Yeah. I doubt that they would still be together, yeah. but yeah. That, yeah. I would definitely watch a sequel. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it, that it comes out. Same director, which is writer-director, which is Jim Fall, whose other credit is the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> and he also did some TV. I think he worked on Tori Spelling's show, So Notorious. And he worked on an early WB show called Gross Point. Anyone? Did anyone watch oh, Gross yeah. Point? Yeah. yeah. Wait, did I? What was that about? It was like the show about the behind-the-scenes making of a Beverly Hills style 90210 style show it was great it was great but yeah i mean christian campbell's done a couple other things besides being nev campbell's brother and jp patak hasn't done much but he's popped up in a couple shows i saw that he is in he did an episode on the new selena netflix Ooh. series cool tori spelling is tori spelling we know <laughs> what's up with we her. know what's happened to her how many kids does she have now seven? Oh god a billion a billion Good for her. More spellings. And, I mean, Coco Peru's still Coco Peru. Hasn't aged a day. Good for her. I Good wish for I could her. be like that. 
Mo- it's, it's the tea that she drinks from Big Lots. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for such a... I think a, this conversation went in a different route that I love talking about representation. We could go on and on and on about it. Yeah, our listeners, if you've got favorite... If, you're, if you identify as gay, do you have favorite gay films from your youth that, that really affected you and that you've revisited over the years? Curious if there's any of that for you. But let's wrap it up because... We're going to continue with our love stories next week with Katie, who is... Was this hard for you to find one, a love story? Because this is not your genre. That's yeah, correct. Katie, why don't so, you love love? I do, it's not that I don't love it. It's just a lot of the times I don't like the heavy emotional stuff in that's in a lot of love movies, which, like, I like romantic comedy like i like vapid romantic comedies like 27 dresses or oh, yeah. how to lose a guy in 10 days Good or montage. like mm-hmm. all, all like whatever super the super formulaic junk yeah. food of movies yeah. i i nice to enjoy know. those because of a lot of the same reasons that i enjoy like the hallmark christmas movies so i don't like i don't watch too many of them yeah but what are you going to make us not make us but what is what is your <laughs> love story so when i when i was trying to think of a of a romantic comedy or a com or, or a movie that had romance themes to it i was like okay how can i do this so i thought of something that's again a bit older uh it's got science fiction themes and it, the screenplay and novel was written by one of my all-time favorites richard matheson oh my god wait are we I watching love potion number nine with sandra bullock oh, is that what you're talking no, we about we're not watching that <gasps> oh we're going because you guys have both seen it i can't pick that I one love that movie. i do too streaming on hulu <laughs> and then i completely changed my mind because i was gonna have us watch somewhere in time mm. the christopher reeve jane seymour uh, romance stunning fest but i decided against that and instead i'm gonna make you guys watch 1992's dead alive the third movie by infamous director peter jackson well great very exciting for that yeah y'all we're gonna wrap up this week follow us on instagram at let me intro you pod and on twitter at let me intro you yeah there'll totally be twitter twitter stuff (laughs) you can do it i believe you week i know every week I'm just building anticipation. And we anticipation. record ahead of time, so you we still do. have time. Building anticipation. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.